from Relay FM. This is Connector, episode 129. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Encapsula, and Blue Apron. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Federico Vedici. Ciao, Mike. And Mr. Stephen Hackett. Howdy, boys. Howdy, partner. Happy Valentine's Day to you both. You too. I couldn't think of anything better than spending my Valentine's Day with you two talking about reality television. And that's what we're going to do later on today. Nothing nothing came to mind. (laughs) Not sure how to respond to that, but thank you. Oh, no, I have many offers. You know, there are many things I could do, uh, but this is the one I would choose to do the most. Oh, you're, you're, uh, you're, you are a very, uh, very sweet Valentine, Mike. Thank that you. Was a pleasure. And I would like to, to wish a happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners, too. Uh, can you guess uh, what uh, Valentine's Day is called in Italy? Just, uh, just try to imagine how, how could we say Valentine? Is it Valentino? Yes, perfect. Yeah! Oh my god, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> nice job. Nice I've job. I've known you for long enough now. That's all it nice takes. Nice job. Can we do some Valentine's Day themed follow up? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily. Okay. There is a theme, but it's not Valentine's Day. Oh. No, let, let, let's do the Valentine's follow up. The, the theme of follow this week is listeners have questions for Federico. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Jim, listener Jim, uh, I starts love this. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jim. Uh, well, the, you know, it's Valentine's Day. Uh, shouldn't the iPad home screen be able to hold at least as many apps as the iPhone, if not more? Is there a good reason as to why this is the case? There's no good reason, if you ask me. Um, it shouldn't be the case, especially on the big iPad Pro. It should totally, um, the home screen should be completely different than it, than it currently is. I feel like Apple is, has done a lazy job at Adapting the the iPhone home screen, actually, um, seven years ago when the first iPad came out, then it never changed. They didn't make any functional improvements to, uh, to the home screen. And now the situation is even worse, on the especially on the big iPad Pro. So there's no good reason if you ask me, but I'm not the person, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I have no idea, just like you. Uh, I wish I had a, a plausible explanation other than Apple has just been lazy and they haven't done a good job, you know, with many iPhone interfaces and the home screen is the perfect example. My my favorite part is that the your rows change as you rotate from portrait to landscape because it mm-hmm. it has fewer in portrait and uh so if you change your, you know, orientation a bunch your icons move around which is infuriating uh even after this long. I uh have a question for you both. Do you, and I'll start with you, Federico, it's the same question. Do you, mm-hmm. do you believe that Apple in the near future, maybe within the next two or three years, is likely to change the way that the home screen looks on the iPad? I think it would be useful. I um, know, it definitely would be. Do you think they're going to do it? I think so. Um, because I, I, I feel like they they also know that the current home screen is just an adaptation. I feel like... I feel like the people who work on this stuff, they know, and I feel like it's a problem for them too. Um, so I think we will see something, not to the extent that some people imagine, like crazy Android-like widgets on the home screen, but I think we'll get some new ways to organize apps, maybe to pin documents or files, or, you know, I, I just feel like they are going to do it, not to the extent that we imagine with this, you know... Um, all these widgets floating around. I don't think that's the answer. 
but uh, the current situation isn't the answer either. So somewhere in the middle, I think Apple will do something um, because it, they have to. Otherwise, they're just trying to apply the paradigm uh, of the of the iPhone to the iPad, and it just mm-hmm. doesn't work because the home screen works on the iPhone because you just you know you pull out the phone from your pocket and you see icons and you launch stuff on the iPad. It needs to be something else. And and I think they will do something not as crazy as we think. So somewhere in the middle, I think it's a sweet spot for Apple. What do you think, Stephen? It's been seven years of <laughs> stagnation. Why would they change? <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> I agree. It would be it would be really nice, and I think it would be a way to, you know, show the iPad is a more serious work machine. I mean, to open it and just be a grid of icons is sort of silly. I mean, I agree. It works really well on the phone, but the iPad deserves more. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been seven years. Like, it, if it's on someone's to-do list, it's, it's clearly it hasn't been very high. Um, yeah. But I'd love to be proven wrong, so bring it I on. I think part of the problem with it now is, like, it's been so long that they kind of have to make a really big change if they're going to make a change. And I hmm. don't know if that really big change is around the corner, honestly. Yeah, I, I, you know, the thing that I, I come back to is that you you have widgets and Springboard with 3D Touch, Force Touch, whatever Hard Touch, whatever it's called this week, and like so th- they're kind of already there on the home screen if you have one of those devices and you the app you want supports it and you know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like they're so close. I, I wouldn't. I think they could do widgets on the home screen and it'd be nice and it not be junky, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think that um the you know they're probably gonna stay the course. Uh up next, Jordan, listener Jordan, weighs in on Nintendo mm-hmm. and talking about uh the pricing and that may would have been more successful if the game was paid up front. We'll talk about Super Mario Go, right? Right. Um yes, sorry, thank you. Uh, most games on the App Store need to go through some free-to-play shenanigans because they won't get enough downloads. Otherwise, I'm quoting Jordan, uh, Nintendo, you know, they're big enough. There is pent-up demand for it. Could they have just sold it at $10 up front based on that alone? And he, he contrasts Nintendo and Mario with Minecraft. You know, it's a household name. If you have kids who are like my kids' ages, like Minecraft is everywhere. And it's paid up front and it's consistently on the top of the paid apps list. And Jordan thinks that Nintendo could could be there as well, and you know, I was wondering what we thought about that, and uh, especially like in the the negative ratings problem, because if you're obviously if you're not familiar, you can only rate an app if you've purchased it or if you've downloaded it, and if free to play, you can play it for free, never pay anything, and then like burn down their app store ratings, and that causes some friction. Um, and so Federico and Mike, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about this. Is it a fair comparison to? To bring up Minecraft, is it something that Nintendo could have done differently and maybe seen more success? Well, I think um, it makes sense for Minecraft, right? Um, I think what Nintendo wanted to do was to be at the top of the top-grossing charts. And so I think um, the Minecraft approach works for Minecraft, but it wasn't necessarily what Nintendo wanted. Uh, They wanted to have this freemium game with a single in-app purchase that will let them reach a lot of people with the free download and then have those people pay up to play the full game. 
and they've managed to stay at the top of the top grossing charts for about a week. Um, they weren't happy with the results. If you read the latest uh, interview with President Kimishima on uh, on on Time magazine, uh, the, he said we're getting to we're almost you know reaching the number that we're comfortable with in terms of revenue from this game and in terms of downloads. Because from 78 million downloads, they they want to move past 10% of paid uh, you know of uh, in-app purchases. So they're moving towards that number. And I don't feel like Nintendo from the get-go wanted to have a Minecraft-like pricing model. And I also don't think uh, that there's a market for any more Minecraft games. And in the sense that I, I'm just going to let Mike go with this point because I think he wants to... Uh, he knows more about Minecraft than I do, but I think it's the basic problem is <laughs> Minecraft is uh, is, a, is on a, in, in a league of its own, basically. You can't you can't yeah. compare anything to Minecraft anymore. Like it has transcended what a usual video game is possible of doing. Like there is no application or game, even Mario, that can be compared to Minecraft because Minecraft is an existing property which happens outside of just the App Store. People know what Minecraft is before they download it. That wasn't the case for Super Mario Go. Like it was a different type of game and i think that nintendo ultimately made the right move i think if they would have gone paid up front i can see us easily having the exact inverse argument of saying they shouldn't have done paid up front people need to try out the app first and i i think that honestly i think they probably have made more money this way because if they would have put ten dollars to buy this game like just straight up front download like this this is what you're paying to get this i don't think it would have done very well at all and i know that the rating situation would have been different but honestly i don't think that the rating situation is affecting mario very much people either want it or they don't want it um i don't hmm. think people are looking at me like mario two stars no way like it just doesn't seem like a thing to <laughs> me. Fair. Like th- yeah. people are going to try it if they want to try it, and and the fact that it's free is fine. Um, and then you know, Nintendo maybe haven't hit the numbers that they wanted, but that comes from what Nintendo thinks Nintendo is able to do based on Nintendo's history. And Nintendo has never done this before, so I expect that their next games will have adjusted uh, goals on what they're looking to achieve. But I, I really don't think that they would have done much better if it would have been a paid upfront game. If it was like straight up, this is Super Mario Brothers. Like this is the game you know. Maybe just yeah, just I will just back a truck full of money up to them. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about in a world where, like like Jordan wrote, so many games are free within that purchase, and you know, are there names that are big enough or their brands that are big enough to go against that trend and be successful. I, just, I found the whole idea very, mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, so to round out follow-up, uh, kind of going back to Mike automating his entire house with smart light bulbs. Um, and you said company over? How did... I, I wanted to ask you, it's not in the notes. So you you just had some family in town. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> how did they turn lights on? <laughs> or well, did so they? This is the thing. walking around in the dark. Ooh. We had to do the the voice activation because uh, these family members do not speak English. So asking them to speak to the Echo is not really something that works very well. But 
what they were able to do if they wanted the lights to be on like because it's only lamps right we have we have over the head lights but if they wanted to turn the lamps on they would just like and they they just did this on their own they turn the lamp off and then turn it back on again and it comes on right but it's just a regular white light because the hue kind of falls back to that um and that worked fine for them and they were just doing that uh but they were very impressed by our lights uh they also found it funny like how we would ask it to do things because i've also added uh, one more piece of equipment since the last time that we spoke um i now have a logitech harmony hub uh as a way hmm. to turn on my <laughs> dyson fan <laughs> So like I was I've mentioned this right the harmony like the the Dyson fan like I've wanted to be able to turn that on and off but like it's not a smart device so James wrote in to say that uh he uses one of these harmony hubs and is able to get like you could you can then like use a Oh you said it you said it this time I know I said <laughs> it I said it <laughs> Hmm uh, you can program it all together. So now I can say, hey, it's be- bedtime or like trigger bedtime. And then the lights go off in the front room. They come on in the bedroom and turn on the fan as well, like the heater fan. So I'm pretty mm-hmm. happy with that arrangement. Uh, but yeah, it, it worked fine, but they kind of found it a little bit amusing. Yeah, every every time every time my, my mom comes to visit and I show her around and my latest uh, automations, uh, she she's both... Um, amazed by what you know computers can do but also she looks to me and she's like so you're spending money on on switches and to turn on the lights like to an extent uh, a lot of people are surprised that we're so lazy we cannot even you know get up to turn off the lights uh but on the other hand it's so convenient you know just to (laughs) yeah it it tends to be a mix of like Interest and, and yes, pity. Yes, I yes. Think there's might be a, the word there's I'm an element for. of pity like, in all this. Like, look at this guy. I cannot even get up. It's like, <laughs> I'm really happy for you, but like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> yes, yes. There's an element of that. Uh, but still, uh, good job getting the Harmony app. I I love mine um, mm. because of the way that we can control uh, the television set. And especially, uh, I don't have to deal with multiple remotes anymore. Silvia doesn't like this. Uh, she hates that and that we now have a single remote and she doesn't understand the interface. I personally mm. love it uh, because I can set off all of my inputs, you know, for the PlayStation or for uh, the Chromecast. I can just say, you know, I can speak to the Echo and I can ask to switch to certain devices which is pretty great i love it yeah the the problem for us is i can't do any of that because the harmony hub is in the bedroom because it needs to hit the dyson fan okay Mm. so like (laughs) pretty much all it's doing for me now is control is turning the fan on and off but i'm i'm looking at setting up because you can it can find wi-fi stuff and you can set up scenes and, and i'm seeing what i can do with it um outside of purely just being there to turn a device on and off <laughs> so uh in this world uh why this is we're still in follow-up why this is in follow-up is there's a new kickstarter called turn touch mm-hmm. and it is a program i guess it's programmable remote control uh, a guy named sam m- makes it but it's like handmade out of wood like you could have it on your out in your coffee tub or something and, and people are like oh that's a smart home device like it looks beautiful and you can hook it up to a bunch of different stuff 
So you can turn your Hue lights on and off. You can adjust your Nest thermostat. It works with some of the smart switches and smart lock stuff. And uh, the idea is you can have all this in, in a standalone device. You don't have to pull your phone out to do a bunch of the stuff or yell at the lady in the canister. Um, this looks awesome. Like, uh, I like the way that it looks. I like that it doesn't look techy. I like that you don't have to use your phone. Um, and, and I didn't, I will admit, I didn't read all of this, but I have some questions about how it works. Like, is it just the hardware and it talks to all the software? You do have, you know, what else do you have to have to make this, make this work? Um, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, there's an app, right? There's a bunch of apps. Like, I think there's a Mac app yeah. and, a, and an iOS app, which you use to, like, pull in all of the different sources, like your Hue lights or whatever. And then you can, you know, say what each of the switches does, basically. You're able to customize it via the app. Yeah, there's a, the iPhone app uh, basically has a few built-in utilities, like... There's a, an alarm clock feature, there's a timer, and those are like features of the app. So when you, when you interact with the remote, the remote talks to the app, and, and it's not like, a, like it's setting the native iOS timer, it's setting a timer inside of the iPhone or the Mac app. And then there's the web API stuff, the integrations with web services like Philips Hue or you know, other home automation devices. And um, I'm pretty sure there's Sonos integration also. So the goal is to offer uh, this sort of mixed environment where there's uh, native apps for the iPhone and the Mac, where you can manage the remote, where you can set up the shortcuts. And then there's the web stuff. So you can connect to web services and connect to other devices. So I know Sam. Uh, he makes Newsblur, which is one of the best, uh, I would say, along with uh, I Know Reader, uh, Newsblur is one of the best modern RSS services. Um, uh, and I think this is a very clever idea. Um, it's definitely not, not what I was expecting from <laughs> Sam, because after so many years of making Newsblur, uh, a smart home remote made of wood, uh, it's not exactly what I was imagining. But I think as someone who, who owns a couple of Logitech pop buttons, uh, this looks much better. I think it looks much better for power users also because there's a lot more settings, a lot more options you can you can set up. Honestly, the Logitech Pop, the the iPhone app is kind of terrible. Whereas just from the screenshots, uh, this thing is looking pretty good to me uh, with all the settings, with all the mm, you know all the uh, the gestures and the taps that you can set up. Also, there's an iPad app which is good to see on on you know it's gonna launch with an iPhone and iPad and Mac. So. I'm excited about this. I want to try it. Uh, among the list of support services, there's uh, Ulights, Belkin Wemo, Nest, Sonos. Um, you know, I'm looking at all these other Spotify, of course, Pandora, which is also launching a new streaming service shortly, by the way. So, yeah, I'm I'm very oh. I'm very excited about this. Um, there's a, the Kickstarter project is still. Uh, I mean, it has been funded. Uh, but there's a uh, 23 days to go and a couple of stretch goals uh, that I want to keep an eye on. And particularly, there's a uh, HomeKit support and IFTTT support. So uh, one is you know IFTTT is 50k and HomeKit is 75k. So I don't know if we'll if we'll reach those. But even without HomeKit, I think this will be very useful, especially because unlike the pop. Uh, switches or the the flick buttons which are another type of product like this it's a physical thing that you hold and you press and you do stuff uh, around the house uh, this thing here has like I think about 10 gestures for remote 
so that's that's pretty cool you know that's a good return on on investment you can set up a lot of shortcuts with this um so yeah i'm um i'm gonna check it out yeah i um i backed it because i think it looks nice right like I, and also i can just see that there, i could have a bunch of things that i would want to do with this i really hope that it hits the iftt support because of the things that i would be able to trigger with that like there are just just random web services that I could trigger instead of just home automation stuff. Uh, that would be very interesting to me. So yeah, I backed it because I think it looks pretty nice, and uh, it's it's just another thing to add to the myriad of internet connected things that are entering my home. Right? Can I ask you a serious question, mm-hmm. guys? Um, so I was thinking about this a few days ago. Do you ever get the question from people that you know? And that is, to me, that is a dreaded question because I never know how to answer without getting into some kind of heated discussion. That you have all of these wireless devices and all of these Bluetooth devices and someone asks you, are you not going to get cancer from all of these electronic things around the house? No one's ever asked me that question. Really? Oh, man. Like, I was talking about the AirPods the other day. Uh I was like, oh, they're super cool, the Bluetooth and this person said, "Well, you know, I I really don't want to get all of these things. They're gonna they're gonna make you sick. All of these radios, all of these wireless devices." I was like, "No, they don't. You know, because there are studies and stuff like that." It seems to me like it's a it's a thing that a lot of people fear. I don't know if it's an an Italian thing, maybe, uh, but I, I definitely get asked about this, you know, huh. especially for Bluetooth and wireless devices. You know, I have stuff on my nights, nightstand, for example, the AirPods, the pop switches. I have the the Echo in my bedroom, so I'm surrounded by wireless radios. And some people are afraid that they're gonna be they're gonna get sick because of those. So I just wanted to know if it's a common thing or if just uh, my bad luck of you know knowing people who think this way. I think there might be a little superstition based in there, you know, mm-hmm. like it just kind of like I've never had that, but it sounds like the type of argument that would be laced with superstition in some way, right? Where it's like these things are out to get you. Yeah, but yeah, I've never had it, and if anybody asked me, I'd be like, "Well, you know, what are you gonna do? Like that that we we know so little about so many things. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, anything could be. I could my water could be making me sick for all I know." Like, I don't know. No, I mean, I'm pretty sure that your microwave gives you more uh, radiation that, true. you know, I use it headsets, day. but, you know, I never use it. So uh, I don't even have one, actually. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to know if it's, uh, you know, because uh, uh, every time I'm shoving around people, you know, all my wireless things and my devices, <laughs> eventually there's someone, at least one person who goes like, yeah, you know, these things are going to make you sick. Like, someone okay, who's thank like you. hiding <laughs> thank outside you. on the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not coming in that house. There's too many radio <laughs> waves. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that Kickstarter. I'm happy to see more of this stuff popping up. I love having my home connected to a bunch of random stuff. I've uh, started using the home uh, complication on my Apple Watch. It's a good way to get the lights to turn on and off. They could just hit the little home complication and it opens up the thing. Uh, it's pretty good, although it's really weird the way that Force Touch does basically nothing on the Apple Watch now. Like you should be able to Force Touch so you can change the the brightness, but you have to hit this like little button with an ellipsis on it. And so it doesn't make it. They 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 totally ripped out the Force Touch <laughs> Watch OS three. It just doesn't do anything anymore. Like it all most of the times, all it does is it just makes the screen move. Like there's no features there anymore. 
I'm a little surprised that the Series 2 watch kept that hardware in it, honestly. My my guess is yeah. that it would slowly go away. It's very but strange. This week's episode is brought to you by Encapsula, the multifunction content delivery network that boosts the performance of your website, protects it from denial of service attacks, and secures it from bad guys whilst ensuring high availability at all times. Over 100,000 organizations trust Encapsula every day, from huge Fortune 500 companies to one-person websites. It doesn't matter who you are, Encapsula can help protect you. They have all the resources you're ever going to need to help your website load quickly, even if something bad is going on. And with their 24-7 operations team, you have the additional help there. If you need it, you get personal account management and the best service level agreement in the business. You don't have to worry, Encapsula have got it covered. Put simply, you're going to be well protected and your site is going to be lightning fast. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. All you need to do is go to to encapsula.com slash connected. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash connected. This is where you can find out more about Encapsula service and claim your free month. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Tim Cook has been on a European walkabout, spiritual walkabout, and having lots of meetings and mm-hmm. seeing lots of art. He got a honorary doctorate, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but in this, in this uh, walking spiritual tour, he uh, sat down for a couple interviews, and one of these, uh, he got into AR again, which is something that he has talked about repeatedly on stage and in interviews, really for like a year or 18 months now, if not even longer, uh, this idea that augmented reality is something that he thinks is going to be a big deal. So in an, in an interview... Um, uh, he said this, I'm going to quote this f- uh, for a second. I regard uh, AR as as a big idea like the smartphone. The smartphone is for everyone. We don't have to think the iPhone is about a certain demographic or country or vertical market. It's for everyone. I think AR is that big too. It's huge. I get excited because of the things that could be done to improve a lot of lives and be entertaining. I view AR like I view the silicon here in my iPhone. It's not a product per se. It's a core technology. But there are things to discover before that technology is good enough for the mainstream. I do think there can be a lot of things that could really help people out in daily life. Real life things. That's why I get so excited about it. At this point, it seems clear to me, I don't think clear to anyone, that Apple is spending some of that giant R&D budget on AR, right? Uh, There's a pattern to this. Tim was talking about health sensors, and we got the Apple Watch. They were talking about the car being the ultimate uh, mobile device, and then, you know, rumors of Project Titan started. And this follows along um, in in that new tradition of Apple, which is very different uh, from the Steve Jobs Apple. But... um, I, I just wonder, like, what what's the end game here? Uh, to say that an idea is as big like the smartphone is a bold sentence. And even the iPad, his vision of the future of computing is not as big as the smartphone. The smartphone has won. And he Tim is, is positioning AR to be next in line, the, to take that mantle from the smartphone potentially. And I just have, uh, maybe it's a lack of imagination on my part, but I just have a hard time seeing what this looks like as a product. I think you should never say it, even if you believe it. Never say X is going to be as big as the smartphone. Don't say it. Like, 
that's a, such a dumb thing to say because there has maybe never been something in technology as big as the smartphone. Like, you shouldn't say this phrase. Like, you are only setting yourself up for a problem. Like, is anything in the near future going to be as big as a revolution as the smartphone? I, I really don't see it. And I think saying it, going on record saying stuff like this is a bad idea. Like, I, mm. I really don't think that that mm. Tim should be saying that. Like, he may well believe that AR in whatever guys Apple are working on will be a big deal. But the last thing that they considered to be a really big deal was the Apple Watch. And I'm just going to say this, like, it's not setting the world on fire. Right, like it no. is a product that I'm sure Apple is very happy with. I'm sure it's selling more units and and making more revenue than many companies, you know, do in do on in a year. Right, like that. I'm sure you could build an entire company around the revenue that the Apple Watch is generating. Mm-hmm. You're you're listing you're listing all of the reasons that we hear every time someone criticizes the Apple Watch. You're just, yeah, you're like I'm preemptively. <laughs> yep, I'm, pre- I'm preemptively preparing myself for that. But like, I agree yes. with it. Fine, it makes sense, right? Like, these are. This is valid to say that the Apple Watch is a success, right? If they're if they're selling it, they're making money from it, whatever. But it's not something like the smartphone. It's nowhere near it, right? And I just think that it's a it's a a a silly thing to say, like to, mm-hmm. to make these comparisons. You know, you can say that, oh, I believe that AR is going to be the next big thing, or I believe that AR is going to be the next big computer revolution. Like, you can say these things, but you should never call the smartphone into the discussion. And I know that at this point, like, I'm getting super, like, ant up in, like, semantics. But what everything Tim Cook says on record is important because he is mm-hmm. at the head of the biggest company in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, so every phrase, every word, every sentence should, in theory, have been confirmed beforehand. Like, he has a team of PR people that work with him to make sure that he's saying the right thing at the right time, especially when he knows he's going into interviews. Yeah. And I, yeah. just, I just think this is a really weird thing to say. Yeah, but so taking this at face value, so Apple is working on AR. What could it be? Um, aside from dedicated devices, which I feel like we cannot really speculate much about because it could be anything, right? Could be glasses, could be headsets, could be, you know, inside a phone. We don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking about what could it be in iOS and in the system camera app because I think if Apple's gonna do AR, they're gonna start from an obvious place, and I think the camera app is a is a relatable, you know, piece of software people know, people use, and I just feel like it could be interesting if some AR features are. Apple starts doing those inside of the camera, maybe inside of maps. I'm just thinking, uh, like, imagine if... Uh, we talked about this before, but imagine, like, any kind of exploration feature that involves maps and the camera could, could show you overlays of directions. Uh, there, are, there are already apps on the App Store for this. So I'm just imagining what Apple could do on iOS. Uh, based on Tim Cook's statements, it sounds like... It's not going to be, you know, like a feature of the camera or like a feature of maps. It's going to be something more. And this is, I think this here lies the problem, which is if you say it's going to be as big as as the smartphone, if you say it's going to be, you know, for everyone, are you talking about 
a feature of the iPhone or are you talking about a new product, right? And Mm -hmm. they've been banging this drum for a couple of years now and we we have seen nothing, not even an iOS feature, you know. Uh, And especially after Pokemon Go, it seems like Tim Cook has been really into AR as as a thing to say to journalists, uh, but we still haven't seen anything. So I wonder if before we get some kind of AR device, if we ever going to get some kind of AR device, I wonder if we're going to get an AR SDK at WWDC. Uh, I think it will make a lot of sense for Apple to start laying the foundation of an AR platform by letting iOS developers build on top of the camera APIs for the iPhone with an AR SDK. So that's my theory. Too bad we already did the predictions this year. I should have added this. Is it too late to add this? It's too yes. late to add this. Okay. okay. I mean, you can F- make the prediction, fine. but it's too late to add it to the, that official fine. set of predictions. Did, did we bet money? I forgot. Did we bet money? We oh, didn't. A dinner? We didn't. Oh, that's a, too dinner bad a, di- a dinner, a dinner is good. A dinner is good. In Italy, yeah. though. N- not, in, not in elsewhere. We could just do it at a time <laughs> when we're all going to be in the same place, as opposed to, like, everyone has to come to Italy to have dinner with like you. Like, the week of WWDC. <laughs> 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 when it's actually in the news. <laughs> Yeah, I I tend to agree with you, Federico, that I think Apple is going to start by baking some of this stuff into iOS. And maybe if it takes off, maybe we see some sort of hardware product. But I think that coming out, you know, there was this, there was this crazy rumor at the end of the year um, that Apple was going to release like an AR headset. I forget who was peddling that. Oh, uh, um, it was um, uh, Robert Scoble, I think. Um, That's yeah. right. That's uh, right, because I put a picture of him in his Google Glass in my 512 <laughs> Pixels post. He was got... saying that the phone was going to be flexible and it would wrap the around pho- your face. The f- That's no, right. The phone was going to be transparent. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, that's it, that's it. The, there were two rumors at two separate times. The first one was the phone was going to be see-through, a see-through iPhone. The second rumor was Apple is making with uh, the famous brand, what is it called, Carl Zeiss? Uh, they're mm-hmm. making these glasses that you put on your face and you see stuff. And the rumor went, an Apple employee told me uh, at CES. It was like a whole story around this rumor. It was kind of amusing, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that seems like a big jump, right? To all of a sudden, <laughs> right <laughs> out of nowhere, yeah. uh, magic S- face step phone. one to step 10. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, if Apple's going to start this, it makes sense to build it into iOS, build it into the iPhone. You know, maybe it's something that only the Plus can do with its. I mean, who knows, right? Uh, it's interesting. I. You know, we all three have experienced VR. In fact, I think, you know, we did it together um, and there was lots of screaming and crying uh, on my part. Uh, And that's one thing, right? This is something totally different. I have not really experienced AR in any meaningful way. I've played with a couple apps that kind of do it, but something like the HoloLens, you know, only Mm. very few people have actually experienced that. And so it's hard for me to wrap my head around this because I haven't had that firsthand knowledge. I can't. I understand like intellectually what it can do, but I haven't seen what that could mean in the real world. And that's what Tim's Cook quote is all about, right? I want to help people. We think it can help people in their uh, real life. And and that's a very Apple, very Steve Jobsian thing to say, right? We want to make a product. We just don't want to make technology and that AR is part of a product. Um, 
But again, like part of me is just sort of weirded out that Tim Cook talks about future things uh, in this, these abstract ways. But um, I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on, if, if anything, just because it seems to be what Apple thinks is next and that they have uh, so far set out of the VR space entirely. And I mean, they don't even have any like VR mode on the iPhone, like like the Pixel and these other Android yeah. phones have. That they've completely set that aside and seem to be focusing on this is very different than what other companies are doing. Yep. I think that's interesting, just in and of itself. It feels to me like if I was going to maybe try and put a pin in what I think he might be getting towards, is something more of like an operating system, which is AR based, like because he talks about it being. Not just a feature, but like as core to the phone as the silicon. Like it feels like that that at least Tim sees this as a not just a feature, but like as a thing across the entire line. Like this is something that is going to be a big sweeping move that Apple move towards. And I wonder if it is like as core as a part of the operating system or something. All new, right? Like AROS or something, you know? Like there is its own thing that Apple are trying to develop. I don't know, but it, it I would have, you know, thought that, oh, they're just going to add something. They're going to make an app which looks through the camera, right? Because what we've spoken about. But he seems to be, like, hyping it up way beyond that level. So, I don't know. And again, it's like, yeah, we're pulling apart a quote that he gave. But he gave the quote for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. the, the quote is given to start people thinking about what he's thinking about. And he's really setting this one up to be something quite important. But as of right now, we don't know what that's going to be. This week's episode is also brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron will deliver seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients to help you make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron works with a bunch of organizations and works in a bunch of really cool ways to make sure that they're helping create and support a more sustainable food system. They, their seafood is sourced sustainably, understands as developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch, Their beef, chicken, and pork comes from responsibly raised animals, and their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. Blue Apron believe that if you're given the best ingredients, along with step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe cards and all of the pre-proportioned ingredients that you're going to need, that you will be able to create better food at home whilst also supporting and sustaining this food system, which is really awesome. You can choose from a variety of recipes. Or you can let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. No recipes are repeated of any year. You'll be able to get these recipe cards. You'll be able to put these meals together in less than 40 minutes. And you will become like a wizard in your own kitchen. Because you'll learn amazing knowledge. You'll learn how to cut things well. You're going to learn about new ingredients that you didn't even know that you liked. Like, for example, these are some of the recipes that you will be able to get with Blue Apron. This is what's currently available. Roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad. Tempura fried cod with Thai-style vegetables salad and jasmine rice or chipotle vegetable and farro salad with avocado and crispy tortilla strips these are just some of the recipes that are currently available with blue apron that you can choose from blue apron delivers to 99 percent of the continental u.s there's no weekly commitment you get the deliveries when you want them and their freshness guarantee means that every ingredient arrives ready to cook 
or they'll make it right. Check out this week's menu and get three free meals with your first purchase, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash connected. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Go to blueapron.com slash connected, and we thank them for their support of this show and Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I have had a song stuck in my head for about a week and a half. Can you and sing that, it for us? Do, 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 All right. This is the theme music, the, the in-game music to Stagehand, which is a game that we've all been playing. Um, Stagehand is from Big Bucket Games, who mm-hmm. are responsible for The Incident and Space Age, which are two games that I know that we've all played and really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, Federica, you wrote a, a review about Stagehand. Can you explain what this game is? They call it a reverse platformer. So think about Mario games, like the the traditional ones, the 2D Mario games. You control Mario, you run and jump from left to right. You control the character. In stagehand, the character just goes automatically. He runs and jumps on his own. You control the stage. So with your finger, you swipe to move the ground around the character. So you swipe to move platforms up and down, and you swipe to to remove obstacles that kind of come down from the quote-unquote sky. So you you remove these barriers, and you move the platforms. And it's a very unique twist, um, and it takes a while to get used to, especially because the game looks and almost feels like a traditional platformer game you know like a mario Mm -hmm. game there are some graphical elements that look like a mario game so your brain is wired to think okay i should control the character but instead you must control the platforms and it's uh the first 10 minutes i don't know if it's uh if it's been the same experience for you guys but at least for me the first 10 minutes are like what am i doing here what is going on this game is unplayable then if you stick with it uh it is a surprisingly fun and strategic game. And it's uh, it's the kind of game that it's only possible on the iPhone because it's only possible thanks to multi-touch. And it's it's a very difficult game. Um, there there are problems. There are things I would have liked to, to see done better, but I think it's uh, in, in pure big bucket style. It's a very unique and iPhone only, not because of economic decisions, but it can only be possible on, on, on the smartphone. It's a very unique iPhone game. You mentioned about like you kind of have to get into it, and you really do because all of the instincts that you have of a game that looks this way is wrong. And I, you know, I mean, at least the way that I play, eventually, is I stop paying attention to the character very much and kind of just look at the path that I know I'm creating. Mm -hmm. It's a very different way to play these types of games, which I think makes this so fun because it's it breaks the convention and it's. It, it makes it weird and fun in its own way, but it does make it hard to like to come to like initially. But I would say give it give it some time because when you lock into it, it's awesome. Like this is such a fun little game. It's one of the the, the nicest iOS games that I've played in a while because it's doing something that I that we talk about a lot, which is it's playing to the strengths of the device that it's sitting on. Like, you can only really make a game like this when there's a touchscreen in front of you. Because Mm -hmm. trying to do something like this with a controller would be really difficult. And it would be a lot more like you would only be able to move one thing at a time. 
But with Stagehand, you can move multiple things at a time. You know, like I might be pushing up one level to make sure that the platform's raised and also raising like something over there so he's got a, a clear path. And it's really nice to play on all devices in different ways. Like it, I can play it really easily on my iPhone because I have the whole thing in my hand right there and I can basically get everything with one finger. But when I'm playing with my iPad, I use two hands and I'm moving stuff all over the place. It is a great game. I've also put a link in the show notes to um, a blog post that Cable Sasser wrote. Cable wrote the the theme music that's been in my head constantly. Um, and it's a really lovely post which kind of goes through the creative process. And Cable has included like all of the demos that he was creating of the music. And it's fun and uh, in a way for me kind of heartwarming to see the way that somebody would create something like a piece of music like this to go from humming it into music memos. We found the person that used music memos, by the way, um, <laughs> all the way up to like having people playing trumpets in a music studio. Yes. Like and it's that was amazing. It's a really like, I, I, in a way, like I kind of get like choked up reading it mm-hmm. and, and looking at all Honestly, of the videos and I, stuff. I just want to say anything the cable does feels heartwarming to me. Because he's just the nicest there's, person on the planet. There's something about cable that feels like my mother's hug. You know? It's like it makes me feel nice. I don't if know. you've never seen <laughs> Cable's um talk at the XOXO Festival in 2013, you should watch it. I was there yeah. and I cried and it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, it's a very, very good talk about kind of burnout and stuff like that. So I recommend going and watching that. But yeah, I I really like Stagehand. If you, how much is it, Federico? Ah, uh, you know, I I don't even know. I, I what is it? Let me go look. take a look. I'm going it's, to this I, I website. I want to say two ninety nine. I'm going to this um, website called uh, Max Stories and to see if I can get the price. From there's there. no price in my review because I don't. Put in, okay, I I I tend not to put in prices anymore. Hmm, why is that? Because I feel like if 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 something has value, you're gonna read the review and gonna make up your own mind, and then you're gonna open the app store and see and and compare to what I wrote versus uh, the the actual price and your thoughts. I feel mm-hmm. like putting prices um, in the review. It's it kind of it it doesn't put you in the right mood to read the rest of the story. Very philosophical. Because you're just gonna focus on the price. Other, you know, instead, I want people to think when they're reading. Uh, same with ratings. I have a whole set of weird opinions about prices and ratings. Uh, not the best time to talk about them, but uh, that's what I do. Yeah. Anyway, two dollars. So go get it. It's a great game. Steven, you have been uh, creating your own game of sorts. I think over the last few days. <laughs> game of sorrow. No, wow, is that a new TV series? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Instapaper, starting on February 8th, had a extended outage. And uh, there's two links in the show notes, one to their blog posts, and then one to a post uh, written by Brian, who, uh, Brian uh, Donahue, who is the uh, lead developer on Instapaper, and has been for a while now. And... um, Basically what happened, it's not super important for our conversation, their database filled up. Uh, there was some information that Brian and his team didn't have, coupled with Amazon's kind of apparently poor reporting of this error, uh, led to Instapaper basically filling up its database and needing to be migrated. It was down for like 31 hours. It came back up. As of today, February 14th, Instapaper has given us all a Valentine's Day present 
of our complete archives again. There was no data loss. It was just down for a long time and slow to recover. And anytime this sort of thing happens, I, I get nervous. You know, I have a lot of data in Instapaper. I've been using it since day one. Like I remember whenever it was, uh, you know, it was like the first day of the app store, a couple of days, Marco had it out. I didn't know Marco then, but I, I, I wanted something like Instapaper. It fit a need that I had, and it's been in the same slot, slot on my home screen ever since, like forever. And I got nervous. You know, it's been through a couple of changes of hands. Uh, he sold it to Betaworks. Uh, Pinterest bought it uh, last year. And I was like, you know, maybe it's time to, to just explore what else is out there. And this comes on the heels of Federico, you talking about Safari reading list. Um, we've talked about that, the three of us. Uh, I use Chrome on the Mac. Safari just doesn't doesn't work with some of the stuff I need to do on, online, so I use Chrome for everything. And so Safari reading list is not really an option for me. I don't want to bounce around between browsers. Uh, so I spent some time looking at Pocket. Um I have the same problems with Pocket I've always had. I don't care for the design. The reading experience isn't nearly as nice as Instapaper. Although it has improved, it used to be that text was always fully justified, which is, I hate reading. Um, the fonts used to be really poor. They have improved it uh, greatly, but it's still, I still don't really care for some of the aesthetic choices. Um, and so I, I spent some time looking at Pinboard, which, I, again, I've paid for Pinboard forever. Pinboard, you can save uh, bookmarks basically online. I pay for the full uh, text search. So if I'm researching something or I know I'm going to write an article in the future about something, I'll just send a bunch of stuff to Pinboard and then search for it there later, which is really nice. And because it it caches that content, uh, it's easy to find later. Uh, and Pinboard, you have a bunch of different kind of privacy options. My account is set to like full private mode, so you can't follow me on Pinboard. You can't see what I send there. Uh, that's I've chosen that way. I don't want to use Pinboard as like a social thing, um, which Pocket, by the way, has turned into a social thing, which I hate. Like I don't want social stuff in my read it later. So I want to send stuff there, read it when I get a chance, and then archive it. So my problem I ran into with Pinboard it's it's easy to to send stuff to Pinboard and marked mark it as read later. And so in the Pinboard web on the website, uh, there's a tag for read later. You can Drill right down to it and see everything you've saved. The the issue I ran into is iOS apps. And so it's easy to send stuff to Pinboard. Um, I looked at uh, several different Pinboard clients on iOS. Uh, the big two I looked at were Pinner and Pushpin. A couple others like PinSwift and a couple others. There's a real um, trend in the naming of these. Yeah. yeah it's, there, it's, should be, uh, there should be someone should make an app for Pinboard and call it Pimpin. I, I feel like it would be really fun. Just, just pin, pin, board, board <laughs> to, for the pin board. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's easy to send stuff to Pinboard. You can do it with uh, Automator. Or not Automator. Jeez. With Workflow. Whoa. Uh, wow. Uh, he's, show, hey he's showing his colors. <laughs> oh, a little bit. You can do it with Apple yeah. Script. Yeah, you can, do it, you can do it with a shell script on your iPhone. Uh, you can do it with Workflow, which is how I was doing it. These apps all have you know little extensions, and you can send stuff to them. The problem I'm having is that all of these apps that I tried, all three or four of them, are really problematic when it comes to syncing with Pinboard. And I think there's two reasons. One, like most of these apps aren't in super active development. In fact, one on Twitter basically was like, yeah, there's some giant bugs, but I can't fix it because there's no money in it. I understand. I'm sorry if you're in that situation as a developer, that stinks. Um, But I need an app that works at the same time. 
but because all of them really struggle to stay in sync with Pinboard, I think part of it is on Pinboard. Maybe it's their API. Maybe it's the fact that I have like 25,000 things in Pinboard. Maybe it's just too much data. Um, but they don't sync very reliably. So I would send something to Pinboard via workflow. So the Pinboard website would have it like instantly. But these apps would time out. They wouldn't sync. They'd sync incorrect data. And it was just a, a big nightmare. Like this should be something that works very well. Like it's paper sync works great. Pocket sync works great. Pinboard apps don't. A, that doesn't really solve my problem. Um, Pinboard does have a mobile website, but when you pin it to your home screen, uh, it breaks their login authentication. So you try to log in and like the mobile web app, you know, it's on your home screen and it kicks you to mobile Safari and then it won't let you log in. So there's something broken there too. So I just gave up and went back to Instapaper. Um, uh. <laughs> mainly because Brian's post is so open and so honest about what happened. And he takes, I mean, and like takes responsibility. And we've interacted a little bit. I don't know if you know who I am, but we've interacted a little bit on Twitter over, over the years. And like, he took responsibility for it. He's he's open and honest, saying they they screwed up. What happened? Like they didn't need to go into this detail, but they did, and that makes me feel better. Like the outage is really bad, and like no doubt Brian and his team had a terrible week last week. And you know comments like mine on Twitter didn't help. Like I was upset, but they were open and honest about it, and they were. Uh, I think I think he's extremely humble in his writing. That you know that what went wrong, the buck stops with him as the as the lead on this, and I think that's great. And for me, that's enough to, to you know, like, understand that this is a thing that they are putting new po- processes in place and that clearly Pinterest still cares about the product because they worked really hard to get it fixed and got it fixed faster than they said they would. And then Brian goes and writes this thing. And so all of that together makes me feel better about the outage um, and makes me feel more confident in the in the service moving forward. So for me, I'm not I'm not changing. Um, it was an inter- it was interesting to go spend some time with these other services over the weekend. Um, I kind of wish the pinboard thing worked better because I already have a lot of stuff there. It'd be nice to consolidate a little bit. But if you have an outage, if you have some sort of service disruption, uh, I think the way Instapaper handled it, they were slow at first to explain what was going on. But on the back end, they did a really good job. And I think that that's a really good case study. If you run a service or run a website or anything that people depend on, and you have a big outage, this is how you should handle it. You should be open. You should be honest. I'm sure it's uncomfortable, right? I'm sure Brian didn't love writing that. Um, But I'm glad that he did. And because of it, I trust him. And I trust that they are going to make sure this sort of thing uh, doesn't happen again. But even if you didn't, you kind of seem a little bit stuck because nothing gives you what you want. I'm kind of stuck. I mean, and honestly, what I would probably do is like just use Pinboard and just log in through Mobile Safari and be done with it. But um, I like Instapaper. It still provides value to me in mm-hmm. in my workflow. For I've used you know I use Instapaper as like a holding place for reading and for things I want to link to, and so it's it's been part of that workflow, you know, for a, a long long time. And uh, I'm glad that I don't have to change it. You should just start printing stuff. I should. That should print everything. Definitely. Yeah. What if so? I've, so five pixels has a newsletter. I never use it, but I've thought about resurrecting it. But what if I resurrected it as an actual newsletter? Like instead of an email <laughs> newsletter, I just mail out like th- a three-page newsletter to everybody once a month. It's just th- just articles you want to read. 
That's yeah. all it is. It's, you just print them out on the printer, and then you pick them up, and then you photocopy them and just send them out to everybody. Yeah, so you don't have to wait for me to link to it. You just wait for the mailman to bring it to you. This is gold. These are all the things I was kind of interested in. Maybe you can read them, and if you are, great. Yeah, <laughs> and when you're done, you can use this paper to uh, you know, start a campfire or something. <laughs> That's a weird use of the paper. I don't know. I've got camping on the mind. Why? Why do you have camping on the mind? Because we're doing camping? like we're playing. Okay, we're really off topic now. We're playing this like spring break thing with my wife's family. We're gonna go camping. But uh, Federico, have you ever been camping? He does it every summer. It's it's not traditional camping. It's no. what the Americans call glamping. Mm-hmm. It's hipster camping. It's it, I I also think uh, we're gonna sell it uh, the 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 glamping house. Mm-hmm. Um, not not sure yet. Um, we we don't go there quite often anymore. Um, but I never I never did. I cannot do camping. What am I, an animal? You know, live by live in the woods with with tents. So you've you've never slept in a tent. Why would I? Yeah, music festivals. <laughs> that's the only time. I I did I did. That's a good point. I did sleep when I was nineteen. Right after graduating high school, we went on um. You know, uh, graduation trip with my friends. We went to the Benicassi Music Festival. I oh. slept in a tent for nine days. We, two of my uh, closest uh, friends, and it was awful, but we were 19, and we were drunk most of the time, so that was mm-hmm. okay. There it is. But as an adult, <laughs> as, an, as an adult, <laughs> as an adult, I've never slept in a tent, nor do I intend to, because I, I don't see I don't see the appeal. It's like those people. It's like they have these they have these crazy hobbies, and they're like, "Oh, do you want to go walking with us in the woods? Why would I? What am I a, like a peregrine going on some kind of you know? Um, wow. I, I just don't as some kind of walk. Like these people have some crazy hobbies. It's like I'm comfortable in my city, my house with my shoes and my car. It's like why would I go somewhere in the in the wilderness just because it's a crazy yeah. hobby. It's- I mean, I get all that, and I'm not like a hardcore camper. I've been like once in like the last decade. We're gonna go for spring break with the kids. It'll be fun. Um, but it is nice. <laughs> Cannot believe we're talking about this. It's nice to just break away and like leave all that stuff behind <laughs> for a weekend. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Every once in a while. No. Every once in a while, it's nice to like. Look, you know I, what? I'm I not. Was, I was in a, in a place. Uh, I was in the Alps for New Year. Yes. And uh, there was no internet. So the first couple of days, I was like, okay, I feel like a hippie. There's no internet. It's cool. I'm, I'm liberating myself. I'm, I'm, I'm cleansing right now. This is great. After a couple of days, <laughs> it, it was awful because ed, any basic human activity was cut off because you couldn't <laughs> look it up on the internet. It's like, okay, I need to find a doctor. Uh, where do I look? Oh, you need to go to the civic billboard. Jesus, I need to go... <laughs> I need to go down to the <laughs> municipal office to look up where the doctor is. It's like this is I'm living in, in a medieval age right now. Just just let me go on the internet. It's like this is sucks. This this is terrible. I'm never coming back. Uh, I I expected the answer no. That was all I expected. Do you like Kevin Federico? No, I don't. Let's move on. I didn't. Oh my god, the civic billboard. Oh dear, oh dear. Uh, I don't like camping. Never have. <laughs> never found it comfortable. It doesn't matter what I do, 
it's never comfortable for me. Um, I, 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 I hate camping. I don't like tents. I don't like sleeping bags. It's just not mm. a thing that I enjoy. I've never but that, liked that's it. cool, Stephen. That, that's that's great that you're doing it. I'm glad yeah. that you enjoy it. I'm happy that you can do it. You know. I'm happy. Me and Mike, we're just gonna hug. We're just gonna talk on Skype in our, in in our slippers. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. You can wow. you can go camping. We we will be uh, citying. That's uh, hmm. that's what we're gonna do. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mike, can you just take over from here? <laughs> yes. I'll try and wrestle control of the show back. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter the offer code WORLD at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create that website for your next great idea. And with a unique domain name, award-winning templates and more, you'll be ready to show it to the world. Maybe you're looking to create an online store to sell camping supplies. Maybe you want to create a portfolio of photography that you've taken on your camping trip. Maybe you want to start a blog about the best camping tips. It doesn't matter what you want to make. Squarespace has an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about anything. Squarespace, they've got it covered for you. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you do need any help with anything, they're standing by. They're ready to help you. They let you quickly and easily grab the unique domain name that you're looking for. Squarespace really is that all-in-one place to get everything that you need. And they have those beautiful templates that I mentioned. They're all responsive. Um, they let you show off your work on all devices, and they look great everywhere. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up for a free trial. You don't need any credit card to do this. Just go to squarespace.com, and you can really kind of get a feel for it and just see how Squarespace could work for you. And then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code WORLD at checkout, W-O-R-L-D, and you'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for Connected. I'd like to thank Squarespace for supporting this week's episode. Make your next move. Make your next website. So, yesterday evening, uh, the trailer dropped for Planet of the Apps. In case you do not remember what this is, this is the reality TV show that Apple are working, well, that a company and Apple are working, the production company and Apple are working together to make. Uh, It's going to be on Apple Music. Um, Eddie Q was at the Code Conference yesterday. He had an interview. We'll put some links in the show notes if you can go check it out. But I think that probably the biggest thing that came out of this, the thing that we want to talk about, is the trailer for Planet of the Apps. So in case you haven't seen it, let me kind of walk through some of it with you. It is very much as we assumed many, many weeks ago. This is basically Dragon's Den or Shark Tank, but for applications. There's a panel of judges. So the people that we've heard about, we weren't really sure what their roles were. Will I Am, Jessica Alba, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Gwyneth Paltrow. They are judges as well as like... I can't remember the exact word that they used, but they're kind of people, they're advisors. That's what they use. So what happens is they're all sitting in chairs and someone comes out uh, and they, they get on an escalator, which takes 60 seconds to reach the bottom of the floor. And on the, when they're on the escalator, they give their elevator pitch. They kind of mess that up a little bit. Like I, I, they it's went called with an the escalator ele- <laughs> It's like, I, <laughs> I know what they're trying to do. And I actually think that that's a fun visual, right? Like, yes. And, and it adds tension. 
right? Because as mm-hmm. you're giving your pitch, you're getting closer to the bottom. Like I can see you're, it. <laughs> you're literally sinking into the floor the longer but you talk. It's like the, the, the I know you're descending I, into hell as you talk. I That's can see right. how this went. Right? There was there was a meeting mm-hmm. of the production staff, and they're like, people are going to give their elevator pitches. Great idea. What if we put it in an elevator? Then they consulted somebody who makes sets, and they're like, if you want an elevator that's constantly in motion that takes sixty seconds to move down, the set needs to be one hundred and fifty feet high, right? Like it's not going to work. So they created an escalator. Fine, right? So as they're going down the escalator, they give their pitches. If they, if anybody's interested in the pitch, then they'll say. So one of the advisors will say they're interested. Uh, There's then a bit of back and forth between the advisor and the person who's making the pitch. And then this, the person, the contestant, chooses the advisor that they want to work with, right? So they show, uh, one of the examples they show is there is somebody that both Gary Vaynerchuk and Will I Am want to work with. And the person chooses Will I Am and Will I Am because they joke about his shoes. Um, Then after they've chosen the advisors, this is like stage one of the show. Um, and all of the advisors and they've all got their people, they're all paired up with the companies that they're going to work with. They will kind of take them through the process of making the application. They're going to work with outside successful companies. They call out Uber and Yelp as a couple of companies there. And I guess they will take it from idea to something that they can show. Mm-hmm. Once they've got that, they go back into the pitch room, but this time they're pitching to a VC firm, Lightspeed mm-hmm. Venture Partners, which is such a great name for a company, by the way. Lightspeed Venture Partners? I love the name yeah. of that. That's so, it sounds so fancy. Um, yeah, okay. I like it. And this is where they start digging <laughs> into the, like, the nitty-gritty of it, and, if the, and then basically the, 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 the winners are the people that get investment from Mm -hmm. this company to help them build their applications. And then Apple will also be featuring these apps on the App Store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Right. Now, uh, uh, on the internet today, uh, on Twitter, I have seen uh, a lot of people saying that they think that this show looks ridiculous and they're really upset about it. I think I'm going to enjoy this show. Uh, Okay. I agree with Mike. Okay. I was not expecting this. All right. Go on. This is... A reality TV show. I can yes. see that. And I, just from everything that's in there, it's going to be awkward. There's going to be a lot of really dramatic music and people looking mm-hmm. at each other when there's no need. You know, there's going to be all of this. Slow-mo. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. But I actually tend to enjoy these sort of shows. Like, I like Dragon's Den. Um, it's called Shark Tank. It's basically the same idea. Like people come and pitch stuff. Because I like the fact that there's business to it. And just from the trailer, like you can see, especially when they're in the VC part, there's a lot of business terms being thrown around. And I actually find that stuff kind of interesting to see people talk about their businesses in a way to try and convince somebody that they're a good idea. Plus, I like applications. And this is about apps. Uh, There are a couple of people in it that I think are kind of interesting. I'm really pleased that Gary Vaynerchuk is going to be one of the advisors because we spoke about this. Like, He is the person that maybe has the closest tie to the type of stuff that we're interested in, right? Like, He is of the internet. Um, And then Will I Am, Jessica Alba, and Gwyneth Paltrow, like, they are celebrities that are known for other things, but they also do all own their own companies that make products, right? Like, they have brands. Like, they, they are people that no business so i'm 
I'm fine. Like, you know, I was just looking it up. I was like, I, kn- I knew that Gwyneth Paltrow had her own company. And then I looked up Jessica Alba. She has her own company. Like, I'm fine with that, right? Like, these are people that they know the businesses that they know. And, I mean, everybody knows what they like from applications these days. Like, there are so many jokes of like, oh, is Gwyneth Paltrow going to teach you about code commits? No, it's not about that, All right. right? Like, All right. like yeah. I have no yeah. time for this type of thing. They are business advisors helping people try to understand their businesses. I am interested in seeing how this show will unfold i saw the trailer and was like there is so much cheese in this i can i can deal with all of that i think it's going to be fun i have uh if you allow me i have a couple of opening statements um, (laughs) that i just Uh, feel i want to get out of the way um okay so like both of you uh we're we're really busy we we i think we work very much and um when it comes, you know, the end of the day, I like to relax with crappy television. It just, it, I like to unplug and watch something stupid. And I watch comedies, I watch The Big Brother, I watch anything crappy that doesn't make me think. Because it makes me relax. And I, you know, I worry about the business, I worry about, you know, managing a team all day. When it comes, you know, after dinner, I just want to unwind. I just want to unplug and I watch stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. That said, I saw a lot of people um, on Twitter, especially, of course, uh, complaining about how this doesn't reflect reality. Um, I honestly don't know what these people were expecting. I, uh, I mean, were you expecting Apple to explain the concept of apps to people uh, using, I don't know, an Xcode crash course? Or were these people expecting Apple to invite people to WWDC? Um, See, there's a fundamental problem right now, which is a lot of people have no, zero idea what making an app looks looks like. We talked about this a long time ago when we discussed how, for a lot of people, any developer works for Apple. People have no idea where apps come from. So from my perspective... Any explanation of the process, even if it's a Hollywoodified, watered-down version of that story, can help change the perception of people. And we saw that with startups, right? Um, we have Shark Tank in Italy. I'm not sure what it's called. Probably Shark Tank because we don't change titles. We're not clever enough. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, it helped people understand what uh, launching a startup is. And I feel like even if, you know, it's they're not talking about Xcode, they're not talking about code signing, this is not a documentary, right? Apple is not making a documentary for the National Geographic, but about developers instead of bears. They're making a reality TV show and that can help people understand the basics, the very basics of the process in a very television, easy consumer format. And I feel like saying, well, this doesn't help app discovery, or, well, you know, they should talk about the developer website. It, ju- it misses the point entirely. This What Apple wants to do here is reality television, because people watch it. And those people who watch it, uh, whether you like it or not, it's millions of people who are not developers, millions of people who have no idea what making apps look, look like, but also people like me who just for once want to watch something stupid. Not stupid in the sense that it's, uh, it's going to 
you know, set my brain on fire or it's gonna, you know, make me stupid. But stupid in the sense of easy, I don't need to think about it. It's probably very dramatized as a story. It's, you know, there's slow motion and epic music. Stupid <laughs> in the sense of it's not deeply, fundamentally intellectual. And, you know, I don't think making a show, a technical show about, oh, okay, in this week's episode of Planet of the Apps, we're going to talk about code signing universal binaries. Okay, people are going <laughs> to understand the App Store for sure if you do that. So yeah. I think it's going to be in many, many parts awful. It's going to be super dramatized. There's going to be slow motions, music, will I am cracking bad jokes, such mm -hmm. as developers are the rock stars of right now. I mean, yep. seriously, it's going to mm -hmm. be terrible in that sense. But also, if it helps people understand how that developers, point one, don't work for Apple, and two, anyone can become one, I've, I'm going to call that a victory because right now we're at zero. And so even if people understand the very basics, I'm going to say, all right, that's better. Stephen, I expect you you are not keen on this. <laughs> uh, I'm not, but not for all the nerd angst reasons. Like, I just don't like this kind of television in any genre like that's that's perfectly that's acceptable fine. because it yeah. is terrible right like there are a lot of things to not like about these sort of shows but if you can accept them like i think that this looks like it's going to be done quite well like the budget looks pretty high oh, I, have no, I have no doubt like it, it looks super polished and you know, they've got uh in the eddie q interview they talk about the the history of the tv show like it was pitched to i'm gonna use air quotes regular television people and they were all interested like it looks like it's gonna be really well done it's not it's not like you know me in my office with like a single camera talking about macbooks um the my, my thing is i just don't care for this sort of programming um but i agree with both of you that like uh it's fine that's not going to be nerdy like can, can you imagine like you know uh, there's some like guy crying on the floor as he learns about sandboxing like that's, <laughs> i mean that's right exactly thing. yes <laughs> like this stuff is gonna happen they're just not maybe not gonna show all of it like i expect that there will be some things that will be relatable like that they'll try to explain because there has to be some drama there like I, I don't know what it's gonna look like but like i think it's gonna be really interesting as well like for people that observe apple to see how they want this story to be told like mm -hmm. what do yeah. apple want to say about how apps are made like that sort of stuff is very interesting to me um, and like looking at how these apps are going to be promoted, like are they going to be like beta applications? Because they're going to be, I assume, being made as the show's going on, but they're going to be in the apps. Like I'm, I'm just interested to see how this is going to unfold. The, I mean, uh, my guess is, I mean, all this has already been done, or you know, they're they're in post production. I would assume yeah. at this point. So, uh, but that is interesting. You know, the the app store component. So one of the prizes, I guess, if you will, is having your app in a in some sort of new featured section in the app store which is definitely a step beyond apple's normal edi editorial control on the app store like i think some people like see this like oh my god why would happen to this like apple promotes stuff all the time in the app store there's a whole department of people who work on editorial in all the app stores and um there's going to be a new section in there, as as far as we can tell. Mm -hmm. uh, that that is interesting to me because it is a step beyond what Apple has normally done. And I saw some people on Twitter complaining that I felt slimy or kind of weird, and like, and I I understand that point of view. And 
Um, I don't totally disagree with it. Like there is some weirdness there, but it is, um, it's not like they're going to stop all their other editorial, you know, initiatives, right? Mm-hmm. This is just going to be something in addition to it in parallel with that other stuff. And so I understand that point of view, but I, I at the end of the day, I kind of, like, whatever, like Apple can do what they want, uh, with that editorial power. Um, I think at the heart of a lot of this, of this sort of angst that we're seeing is, um, you know, Mike, you said, what sort of stories Apple want to tell about, um, about making apps. And I think that the, the process of like pitching to a VC, having, you know, sort of a celebrity VC, like that, that is not how a lot of, that is how a lot of apps get made. A lot of apps are back like that. Um, but a lot of apps aren't. And I think the people who are, are responding to this kind of, in a knee jerk way are people who are like us, right? Like, you know, the three of us, like we all own media companies, you know, we're all successful in our careers uh, and we're all independent. And we, we've done that taking no money from anybody else. Like you started Mac stories, Federico with your own money, you know, Re- uh, relay was started. Mike and I poured our life savings into it. And that is very different from this world that they are portraying. Uh, however fake it may be or however real it may be aside, it's just a different world. And I think some people are just sort of uncomfortable with that. But um, I have no doubt that, like, they're going to put it on Apple Music. They've got uh, Eddie Q in his interview said uh, more, you know, well past 20 million subscribers now. He, he didn't say how many. Uh, I have no doubt it's going to be successful because people like shows like this. Like, Shark Tank is successful. That's why it's in all these countries. Like, this is a successful format that people like and i have no doubt that it will be well received by uh, a lot of apple music subscribers who you know come across and like oh what is this mm-hmm. and um i think it's important to like filter out a little bit some of the nerd circle reaction to it because it, it's so specifically targeted um kind of in our world that mm-hmm. i think a lot of our reactions to it like aren't going to carry out into the broader audience i feel like i feel like the 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 closer Apple moves towards the consumer space and it starts making this mainstream, um, I don't want to say content, but that's what it is, right? With Carpool Karaoke or with uh, Planet of the Apps, uh, they invite Drake on stage, they have Beats 1. They're not the Apple, they're not just maybe the Apple making, you know, um, Safari reading list or making the OS anymore. They're trying to position at least one part of the business as a more lifestyle slash media company. And I feel like a lot of the uh, the the people who have been observing Apple, like us, that's a that's a, that's tough to accept, right? That that they're becoming this sort of Hollywood presence and force much more than than in the past, right? And so when you see Drake on stage at WWDC, when you when you see Eddie Q talking about this Shark Tank like uh, television show, or Apple Music starting to feature uh, TV series and more video content, Apple putting money into original content, that makes a lot of people uneasy. And I think it's going to be a bigger theme that we'll see going forward of the people who observe Apple. Uh, are going to sort of uh, see Apple in a different way and maybe be a little put off by what by what the company does. I think one last thing I want to say on this in regards to like the types of apps that are being made here. There they are apps, but I think what we're going to end up seeing is services. It's people creating companies, not applications here. 
Yes. But yes. those companies, they interface with their customers via apps. Like, this isn't somebody who is making Stagehand, right? Like, this right. isn't someone right. who is making, like, a pinboard client. Like, this is a company, like, you know, one of the ones that they showed was, like, I, I, I'm interested to know more about it, but, like, an application that can suggest to you via AI, like, about shopping habits. And exactly. Like, you know, like, exactly. These are people that are creating services, but their services, are, the interface is applications. And I think that, that that's, a, that's a thing that's worth pointing out because that is a different business model and that business right. model does need venture capital and it's... yes. And and that's what the show is based around. It's it's not like that we're going to watch people building applications. We're watching people build companies, um, and going and looking at what that what that ends up looking like. So that's a that's a very good point. Yeah, Planet of the Apps um, will be premiering on Apple Music in the few, in the next few months. There's going to be a companion app, like a second screen type app, where people can vote on whether they think the app ideas are interesting as they're being pitched you can swipe left swipe right you can find out more about the applications but you know like all of these big shows now they have companion apps right like especially reality television shows um but it is interesting that you know these things usually work when the show is live because like it's polling this data but that's not going to be the case they will be released weekly you know i guess at a certain time but there isn't like a live tv component to these no, um, it doesn't yeah. look like that anyway and uh no ads I, I don't know why anybody expected there would be ads but there's no ads because it's part of a paid service. So that's Planet of the Apps, but that wasn't all. Um, Q uh, was questioned by Peter Kafka. He spoke about a couple of other things that are relatively interesting. Uh, he said that Apple is not interested in buying up content like Netflix. They right now just um, want to help create original programming that fit the sensibilities that they have. Um, there were a couple of questions asked around podcasting, um, and Q said that he, you know, he can see that there is a resurgence right now. Um, that iTunes needs to do more; they want to do more. Uh, he seemed to dodge a question about like the fact that Gimlet had asked via Peter Kafka if they can get information about the people that subscribe. This is basically pulling up that thing that happened in the New York Times a while ago. Uh, Eddie shook that off um, and basically said. We've got some stuff that we're working on. Um, so, you know. Yeah. I, I found that particularly interesting. I mean, granted, you and I own a podcast production company, but the I really feel like that. So, if you subscribed, is this even still accurate, Federico? I don't, like, at least in the newsstand days, if you subscribe to a magazine through a newsstand, you could elect to send your some very basic kind of information to that magazine publisher. Mm-hmm. And, um, to date, I think that's the only exception to Apple's like you don't know who your customers are rule. Like it's the only the only uh, hole poked through that wall. And I would imagine that Apple only did it for magazine people because they had to. That for some in some meeting and some planning somewhere that just had to happen. I don't see them adding that to no. podcasting and iTunes. And like frankly, I don't want it, and it wouldn't nope. be that helpful to us. Nope. Um, and. Uh, so I found I found that question like I definitely rolled my eyes a little bit at that because there are people who want that in our industry. I think that's um, not the direction Apple should go, and frankly, I don't think it's the direction they will go because I really feel like magazines are that exception that they probably didn't even want to do, but they had to. Um, but uh, I, I I did find that that interesting. Um, also, our friend Aaron Mankey, who produces the Lore Podcast, got a shout out, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, a very successful show that you should check out. It's because yep. uh, it's going to like, Amazon. Yeah, like a TV show. It's like a whole big, whole big thing. It's, cr- it's incredible, crazy. Um, 
Uh, there's some other stuff in this in this article or in this interview. You talked about some of their initial like iTunes music um, negotiations and how they didn't go very well at first. They got pushed on the the uh, Amazon uh, Amazon Prime not being there, and Q basically was like, "We have an open platform. Uh, they're 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 welcome anytime," which just really uh, really cracked me up. Um, and he was asked about Siri in in this context of Amazon and their products and he repeated the line that phil schiller has said that we've seen in some of the apple media that the best assistant is the one you carry with you and they keep they keep bringing that line out and i don't know if they're not working on a cylinder with with siri inside of it or that they are and they're just being coy about it but they just keep rerunning that line and i think every time they say it it feels more and more dated because you can do so much of these other items and the only thing that Amazon would have to do to like blow that out of the water is create an app on the iPhone that you open it and you tap and you're talking to their, their service. And there's already a third party app that does that, that I use frequently. It's pretty good, but it just seems like a really like a a thin ledge to stand on to say that because Siri is portable with you and on your watch and on your phone that makes it better like that's true like it is nice to have the same thing with you all the time but if it doesn't work as well as something else and that something else could be on your platform easily it's kind of the nice but um all in all you know it's it's an apple executive interview they're not sharing much um they were remarkably open about the process of creating the show and Mm -hmm. i i find i find like the process of media interesting even though the show is not for me I think that the the way they got to the point where they're doing this show is is interesting and they say they're going to do more of it. So I think that we will continue to see Apple Music sort of blossom and and spread out into these other areas, which is it's exciting, right? They're mm-hmm. they're competing with Netflix and Amazon now in this new space and I I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I w- I would call it more interesting than exciting. Like I, I I'm still coming at this with a little bit of trepidation. Um I know that I know the reason they're doing this, like, is to try and sell Apple Music. But like at the same time, I'm also asking the question why a lot still, uh, which is I'm just in a little bit of a conflict about it. And if like they also showed Carpool Karaoke, they they've had some trailers, and the trailers look pretty good. So I'm kind of like I I know that I will feel how I will feel about this when I actually watch the first episodes of both of these shows. And if they're both really good, then fine. Like, keep going for it. But mm-hmm. if they're underwhelming, it's going to be like, well, why are you doing this? You know, like if you, if if Apple were not truly trying to make like excellent programming, I feel like that 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 it's just why why you know like why that's yeah, that's that's, that's, that, that, that's my feeling on it, and it's quite a complex feeling. But uh, I'm looking forward to Planet of the Apps. Um, I'm interested in carpool karaoke just because some of the pairings that they show look look kind of fun. Um, cause, but it's not all James Corden, which is a, is is upsetting to me. I think he's only in one of them. I think he makes the show, but we spoke about that in the past. But yeah, we've got links to all that in the show notes if you want to check it out. And the rest of our notes are over at relay.fm slash connected slash 129 for this week's show. If you uh, want to find us online, you can do that. You can go to maxstories.net for Federico's work. He is at Fetici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen is at ISMH. He's at 512pixels.net. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our sponsors this week's episode for helping support the show. Encapsula, Blue Apron, and Squarespace. And 
as always. Thank you for listening. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.